Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This is Tyler Dunn here with Jim Monas at Hamburg Brewing Company on Boston State Road for a little Go Long podcast. Jim, how in the hell are you? Well, we're great today. Hoptimonium is back at Hamburg. Oh. They, they made a fresh batch just for Go Long podcast. I think it was just for the podcast because they know so how much we love it. Cheers to Hoptimonium coming back. The we, best beer going here. Every time it gets us in the right mood. I'm in a great mood because Kevin Durant last night bailed me out. I turned the game off. <laughs> I turned the game off. Doug Whaley's joining us. Yeah, and- let's bring Doug. Doug, good to have you, brother. Thanks for coming on. Cheers, fellas. Yeah, cheers. I just got to cheers you with a little uh, Arnold Palmer spike tea because uh, you know it's my golfing time of year. So uh, this is something I sip on the grass while I'm knocking around that small white ball. But speaking of KD, I actually I. When you, I have to admit, I was wrong. I had a, I had a discussion with a guy yesterday before the game, and I said, "KD, phenomenal talent. I just don't know if he can put a team on his back and take them to the promised land because he hasn't done it yet. Think about it. So for him to go out and do what he did last night, I text my buddy today and I said, "I, I was wrong. Let's, but let's see if he can take them all the way." I don't know. I, hey, but if he keeps playing like he did last night, I, well, I, I will tip my hat to the guy. How many times have we seen? This is what I was talking to Tyler about earlier, um, especially with gambling. When everything looks lined up one way, like it was so set up for Milwaukee, right? Harden wasn't yeah. supposed to play. They're playing better. Okay, Harden's playing, but you know he's not one hundred percent. And it just looked too easy to take Milwaukee. That I, I'm not going to sit there and act like I. I never act like, oh, I knew Brooklyn was going to. No, I turned the game off because they were down 14. Yeah. I'm like, oh, man, this was Milwaukee's finally dialed in. Like, they're playing tough. They're not going to blow this. That was a bad, bad loss for Milwaukee. Like, a bad. No doubt. can't happen if you're trying. You Those are games you have to win. And it just goes to show you, really, these special players like Durant and so many of these NBA guys right now, man, when they're asked to put on a show, it is so fun to watch. They they raise their game like Booker's doing, like Donovan Mitchell's doing. 
you know, it, it's just incredible. Um, and, and then what do you think about, I like talking to Doug a little bit and you too, Tyler, about oh, yeah. basketball, but we, what about the Joker getting swept? Wow. You and know my feeling. Swept. You, you know my feeling. I, I respect his game, but it's just a game that is not appealing to my eye. He, I'm not a fan of his. I, 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 we've talked about it. I, I, like I said, he is a talented individual, but you can't get swept. If you're going to be an MVP, when is the last time an MVP got swept in a playoff series? That was weak. That was weak. I mean, it was a weak MVP it was because the other guy that was Season. the other I mean, guy MB you were going to give out. it to it was Curry, or Curry, yeah, you know, or Embiid, or Embiid, who really is another guy that's just oh he choked. That I was, mean, how got, do you miss that it, layup? I'd rather I'd rather them giving it to Doncic, Luca, than than him. That, no, that's that's the way I look at it. And Joker. But you know what is funny? When you watch last night, Durant's name never comes up. You know, because of their season, he didn't. You know, they don't play all together all the no. time, but. Man, when you see a game like that and you're thinking, who would you rather have, Durant or the Joker? Like, come on. Uh, exactly. Please. That's the best way to put it. Yeah, just who you, know? you, you take. We always like, go back you, to that. Who you take. Yeah. But, Monish, you brought up a player. Yes. And, 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 but you brought up a good point. When you look at Milwaukee, yeah. championship teams do not lose those games. No. And they're not a championship team. They are tapped out. They will never go any further than what they are now they're not they won't i don't see them ever making the finals well Giannis is a regular season player it just seems like there's more open lanes for him to cut and slash in the in the playoffs like stan van gundy said that that one time right just build a wall you just build a wall at the rim force him to shoot he can't shoot like game over he's got a bunch Mm -hmm. of empty stats basically and the Um, difference is he's their best you know he's their best talent where Ben Simmons, who can't shoot, isn't their best right. player. Right. But at least, you know, so if, if Milwaukee had another guy that could take, you know, Chris Middleton, I love Chris Middleton, but mm-hmm. he's a good, good player. He's not, yeah. he's a good number no. three, too. At best. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyway. Well, I should set the table a little bit for our listeners on something that may or may not happen. Like, mm-hmm. So uh, the reason we're all together here on this uh, episode of the, the Go Long podcast is, I don't know, I was just thinking, we, we brought up his name before, Carlos Williams, one of the more fascinating players in recent Bills history. I don't need to tell you guys, you drafted him in 15, you know, a steal of a pick, big, explosive, fast, athletic. I mean, when he was on the field, good things happened with the ball in his hands. I mean, right, he... Your owner, he wanted the ball in Carlos Williams' hands. He looked better than Shady McCoy a lot of times. And then after that rookie season, obviously, his weight got a little out of control. He's out of the NFL. He's done. And for those who might have missed it, he had a few things to say about our guy, Doug, here. Um, actually, my our, our good friend of the program, Matthew Fairburn, wrote the story. I mean, it's a great idea for a story on, like, the what could have been with Carlos Williams. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, obviously, he's going to ask kind of, like, what happened. And at one point, as you know, Doug – the quote was, quote, Doug Whaley can eat a dick. Doug Whaley can <laughs> die in a hole and drink bleach. I'm dead serious. The reason I didn't play in the XFL is because Doug Whaley's name was on it. I'm dead serious. So you usually don't see people talk about other human mm-hmm. beings in that in that fashion. Um, so I just figured play a little peacemaker. Let's bring everybody on. Let, let's hash it out. Let's chat. He may or may not be on the podcast. He has the link. I think he's in. We'll see. I don't know. But it's curious that when 
I was head of an NFL organization that was the deciding factor of who to put on the team, I drafted him. When I was in the league office and not dealing with personnel on a day-to-day basis, then it's all my fault that he didn't make the XFL. And there was a lot of things that happened between him getting drafted and where he is now that I'd love to hear where he thought he went wrong or what part he played in and his actions played in him not either staying in the NFL, getting in the XFL, or what's he doing now. Uh, that's why I'd love would very much appreciate him coming on. And let's 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 see where, where he is and where he his mind is and how he got to where he is now. I, you know, you mentioned the Arnold Palmer. I thought you would have brought a little bleach for the podcast. <laughs> I didn't think about it. I might have to. <laughs> I mean, but you guys drafted him, right? You you took the chance on Carlos Williams. I guess uh, t- take us inside that decision, what you saw in him, what made him special. And we saw some of that special. Well, we know he was sitting there where we drafted him for a reason because right. he had a, you know, a little bit of a storied pass at Florida State. Nothing like it was never something too bad or criminal, but always stuff popping up. Um, and, and we were well aware of it and, and spent time with him before the draft. Our scouts did a great job. I mean, we, we knew the risk we were taking. It wasn't like we were surprised by anything that happened. No. Sometimes you just, hey, you're in the, the fifth round. You know, and, and there comes a time when we did it with Chantrell Henderson. And, 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 hey, we had some good starts with him, a seventh-round pick. He ended up getting paid by Houston. Um, right. And we did it with Carlos. And the one thing we learned with both of them, neither one of them really, at the end of the day, showed that they love football enough to overcome right. how they wanted to live their life. Yes, and, and, and uh, all props to our dear friend, Gerald Dixon, a.k.a. Smoke. He was a high maintenance talent and every once in a while you throw a dart in and when he was on the field people knew he was impressive and the one thing that if you're going to be high maintenance you have to have superior talent and that's one of the things he had Chantrell had so you have a, a leash but it's a lot shorter because then it starts to affect the culture in the locker room because the talent goes so far when he was at camp and everybody was seeing what he was doing they're like okay I get it all right. All right. But then when he shows up 30, 40 pounds overweight and failing tests and then starts not producing on the field. And we always say production equals tolerance. So when the production goes down, the tolerance goes down. I mean, I'm looking at the numbers right here. I mean, 5.6 yards a carry, 93 carries over 500 yards. I mean, nine touchdowns it just it was dynamite when he had the ball in his yeah. hands i mean it was his first carry he took to the house against indianapolis yes. right yeah um, when you draw up a one-two combo oh he and shady are complete opposite styles and complete perfect combination and you know how they complement really each other and how defense i mean good luck trying to defend yeah def- yeah because yeah, when you have shady in you could probably go sub and, and, and nickel and, and try to just because you don't know what if he's going inside or out. But when Carlos comes in, then you got to go with the big boys. You got to go base. And that helps di- the offense dictate to the defense when you have that one two punch like that. You know, I'm, I'm trying to look up some old stories I did at the Buffalo News. I mean, because I had a really good relationship with Carlos in the locker room. Yeah. I mean, we talked a lot in there. He was so honest. I remember when he had a concussion and he was talking about the the effects of that and just 
holy cow. I mean, that concussion hit him hard. He had to stay in a dark room for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he, there's a lot of good in his past, too. I think he took a, a young kid who was sick under his wing and then looked after him. I mean, there, he's a complex person. So there's a lot of sides to Carlos Williams. But I, like Mona said, he wasn't a bad guy. He just didn't love football. And everything that we're talking about was more football character than personal character. And he let other things in his life take over his dedication or what he needed to do to be the best football player on the field. And we used to, and I used to tell all these guys, do what you have to do today so you can do what you want to do tomorrow. So if he would have dedicated himself and been a great football player for however long, at least another contract, he could have gone off and done whatever he wanted to right now and not have to worry about it. And that's one of the things some of the guys just don't get it. And he obviously felt other things in his life were more important than his job. Defensive Carlos, though. We have baby number two on the way. And I haven't stepped on a scale in a while. Things are a little dicey. I put on a few LBs. Oh, hey. You know, I think that was what was going on in his life, right? He had a baby coming and his, his fiance wife um, was, was super friendly as well. Got to know her a little bit. Hey, she's hungry. You're hungry. Things just get a little out of hand. You're not. I got to go for a job. Yeah, but Tyler, you're not getting paid by Blue Wire podcast to be in great shape and run for 100 yards a game. That's true. That's true. And then, then you got to think right about now. it. Yeah. You logically, you staying in shape is what's going to help you provide as a father for your kid and your family and set them up and possibly their kids. So you have generational wealth that he could have access if he would have done the right thing. So and that was that's, that's a question I would like to ask him. God, you know, I'll send him another little reminder here in a second. Like, because I remember OTAs um, and he showed up. Right after, I remember, Doug, you were just, it was the same day you were just honest, talking about human beings playing football, which is yeah. what is the truth, not meant to play the yeah. game. I think it was that day or maybe after that, Carlos shows up, and he did not look like Carlos. <laughs> he looked like a defensive lineman, right? I mean, he put on a good 40, 50 pounds, I want to say. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. an exaggeration or not. Uh, that might be a little exaggerated. I, I don't think it was that much, was it? We'll ask him. No, it, it was it was north of twenty though. Yeah, that's okay. what I was thinking, like twenty. And he and, and he wasn't a small guy in the first place. Yeah. So well, look at his brother Vince. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And well, I, I do remember I was talking to um, after we cut him, the Steelers brought him onto the practice squad, and they called and I said, hey, you know, do you can take a chance? Talented is for sure, and hopefully, him getting cut has him come back to reality and understand that the life in the NFL can be short lived, no matter how talented you are. They, they believe that since they had his brother on the team, it would help him kind of focus him and get him into the, the mode of being a professional. How'd that work out? I'd like to ask him that too. Those are, I mean, those are actually, that would be good to hear his answers on this. Cause Vince Mm -hmm. is pretty locked in. I mean, you're not going to meet Somebody who uh, loves more, the game of football more than Vince Williams. Absolutely. You can say – you can debate his talent on the field, but one thing is not debatable, his dedication to his craft. Doug, what's the hype down there in Pittsburgh? I've been reading a lot about this new offense that yeah. has never been seen before and 
Roethlisberger. They have a new OC, right? Um, new Matt Canada. Yeah. So they have Matt Canada that had These are the some stories. success at. So, Doug, just I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but we were talking on the last pod a little bit. This time of year is amazing what comes out in the media. Like, as far as everybody, they couldn't believe how good he is. He's in great shape, better than we thought. Um, you know, all the same stuff. Oh, yeah. I thought that was a great offseason. Um, the Steelers have a, an offense that's never been seen before. <laughs> never been seen before, but now he's come. Now, the best thing I know is recently that he goes, because everybody was – the talk around town is how are you going to bring in a new offensive coordinator on a basically a quarterback on his last year? Right. So everybody's saying this offensive coordinator is going to be a puppet for Ben. Then they try to spin it as in, Oh, it's a new offense. He's buying in. He's going to be doing a lot of different things that a lot of people haven't seen him do before or have seen in the NFL. And then yesterday, Canada came out and said, we're going to do some different things, but, a lot of it's going to be predicated on what Ben likes to do. So it's just going full circle round and round we go, <laughs> but no, it's a, that's going to be the most intriguing thing is what is their offensive identity going to be? Yeah. Read an article today that uh, the second follow-up article to the Canada thing was saying that the owner, Art Rooney Jr. said, we have to bit, get back to the running game. He put an edict to coach and Kevin Colbert. We need to run the ball. So that means they're going to at least put a little emphasis on a lot more emphasis on the run than before, how that equates to what Ben wants to do and the total schematics of the offense. Who knows? I'm very interested because he had, like I said, success at Pitt, a lot of motions, a lot of jet sweeps, a lot of things that you do. Modus, you know, when you're not as talented, you need to trick some people to, to, to make up for your lack of talent, which he did at Pitt. And they beat Clemson at Clemson when you're no doubt about it. Takes that offense to the arguably the second best league to the NFL, the SEC, didn't go so well. Was fired after a year, and the next year they win a national championship. So I'm interested to see what that combination is going to look like in the NFL. I don't know. I'm not going to say it's good, bad. That's yes. an intriguing question for the year. Yeah, I don't know either. I, it, it's it seems funny. We were talking about, you know, it seems so. The copycat league, which we know every you know every league pretty much is copycat, not just football. But to think that you would want to focus on the running game, the way the rules are set up, and the way these quarterbacks and the way these receivers are now, I just I, I'm still a believer. You run the ball to win the game in the fourth quarter. You, you pass to score and get the lead. Yep. And, and put the game in your quarterback's hands. And, and if they believe Roethlisberger, if he believes he's still good enough to play and they still believe in him, then let him make the plays or else you have the wrong quarterback. I agree with you. I agree with you. And it, and it goes and goes to look at the Bills. It's different if you're getting a Brian Dayball from Alabama that had success and you're saying, hey, this, that part of the game is matriculating tr into the pro game. So let's get the best of, of that. And it's proven to be a right call. This guy didn't have success. And you're saying, let's do this. So it's interesting, but I'm not saying it can't work. No. Stranger things have worked, but it's going to be interesting. That power dynamic is interesting. If the owner wants to run the ball more, but I'm guessing the owner also probably wanted Ben Roethlisberger to stick around until Ben Roethlisberger doesn't want to anymore. I don't know that. 
But like Ben is going to want to throw the ball all over the place. You know, the owner wants to run the ball. You got Matt Canada somewhere in between. Mike Tomlin kind of overseen anything. Like wh- whose call is this on the direction? At the end of the day, Ben's at the line of scrimmage, so he can change any play, I guess. And if you look at them, their strength of the team is their wide receiver four. And then they got the tight end from Penn State, Pat Maramuth or Faramuth. That's it. Sorry, Faramuth, along with Ebron. So they have the outside talent that thinks you're going to say, let's spread it out and throw the ball. Their weakness is their offensive line. They got a guy that played right tackle that's switching over to left tackle now. They got a right tackle that's coming back off an ACL. They got they lost their center, so they're going to new center, a third-round pick from Illinois. Uh, DeCastro is getting older, and he's on his way down. So you're you're betting on that and then the lack of depth, <laughs> especially at the offensive line. So, yes, they number one pick, probably the best running back in the draft. But if you're not run, if you don't have that offensive line, that's going to be a tough match. So what I say that all because the point being is their makeup of their offensive team points to throw the ball. Right. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. point to run the ball. Right. And a lot of quick hitting stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was of out ball. of Ben's hand mass yeah. last year, wasn't they it? They get rid of the ball quick, and, and he's accurate on those throws, which is everything on those quick throws. Let those guys do their work. I just think they've been drafting and preparing for the to score through the passing game, and now they're going to – and Doug, you made a great point. I didn't really know all that about their offensive line as far as like moving guys around and, and losing. Eight. I wasn't really, I mean, this is a strange year to want to run the ball. Yeah. Yes. But you're right. It, you it, never know. That's right. the intriguing part. That's the intriguing part. You, that's why when people say you never take a stance, I'm not, not taking a stance. I'm saying it could work. Absolutely. Yeah. And they'll be geniuses and they'll be great. And they'll, I'm just saying when I, before seasons, I have – these are the things that I'm interested to see how they pan out. Here is the reason why I think they may. Here's the reason why I don't think they will. But to sit there and say it won't, no, nothing's 100% except death and taxes. So I wanted to ask you guys this on, on this episode of the podcast. I mean, if people are reading on Go Along, we had a story up on just like facts versus feelings. So all these quarterbacks, right, are unhappy – some got their way. Some didn't get their way. Aaron Rodgers is still wanting to get out of Green Bay, and I don't think he plays for the Packers ever again. I think he's done. You've said that. Tyler has been on that from mm-hmm. day one. Only person I heard in any media say from the start, the thing is done. <laughs> so anyway. I appreciate it. Well, we'll see what happens. But, I mean, when he's dug in, he's dug in. Like, if you're out of his life, you're out of his life. And everything I've been told is that Brian Gutekunds is – out of his life and he needs to see people fired to return to green bay he thinks the culture is poisoned there and needs to take this stance it's ridiculous i mean they want to pay him more than anybody they've got the, maybe the best roster in football he's got all the freedom at the line of scrimmage to do whatever he wants it it doesn't make any sense um so that seems to be a case of feelings to me right the facts aren't on aaron Rodgers' side well are the facts that brian gudicus the brian gudicus uh was he in charge of scoring against Tampa when they created three straight turnovers in the second half against Tampa? Right. You know, that I think is, and that's a great point. And that I think is the master of what he's doing. We're not talking about his failures the last two years in the NFC championship. We're talking about the executives and the management. 
It's beautiful. You change the narrative. This guy's a genius and no one's talking about it. I'm just like, wait a minute. What, why isn't anybody saying this? It's a skill and if you're good at kiss, you're saying, you're saying, wait a minute. We have a Super Bowl winning roster now, and we've gotten so far with this guy. And arguably, he's talented. But when it came down to it the last two years, he hadn't got us over the hump. So I'm preparing for a time where, okay, let's get the next guy. And let me ask you this, Ty. What, do you, what is his problem with the culture if they're that successful? It's it, it's the fact that they drafted a quarterback when he didn't want them to draft a quarterback. It's it doesn't make any sense. You made such a great point okay. there, though, Doug. Like I wanted to bring up a text message. Um, this is from somebody who was close to Aaron Rodgers that has since been eliminated from his life. He said to me recently, he quote, he will write off anyone and everyone in his life for nothing and then be eternally stubborn and pitch himself as the victim in it. Rinse, repeat for the Packers. He would rather sink with his own ship than confront anything directly or make a concession. So to your point, he's a master manipulator with the public narrative. He -hmm. knows people are going to – I mean, he put this into motion right after that that NFC Championship game. Like, he put his own future into jeopardy. So, boom, we're not talking about him not selling out at the goal line on third and goal. We're talking about, oh, my God, I can't believe the Packers could let Aaron Rodgers get away. And he's kind of carried this throughout the offseason, um, very calculating, painting himself as the victim. It's everybody else's fault. And by and large, that's what you hear, right? How could they draft Jordan Love when you have Aaron Rodgers? So, yeah, to your point, it's 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 maybe what he cares more about than anything else in life, um, mm-hmm. the narrative, and he's done a good job at it. And if I'm Green Bay, at what point do you say – Fuck it. Enough's enough. And trade him. Here's when you say it. Middle of camp, Tannehill goes down, out for the year. Guess what? That price just went way up. Tennessee will give away everything to get him. More than that would get any team would give up right now. So you hold that, you hold those cards. And then when you do that, Let's say then you throw love in. And if love's not the answer, you have the ammunition to go and get whoever you want next year. And you're you're built for for the future. So in the long run, Gudicus may come out the winner in this. Do you do you risk this poisoning the locker room though, Doug? Like, do you risk this being such a dark cloud over your team into August? That, then that's when you get Murphy the PR team and LaFleur and say, all right, listen, here's what we're going to do. We're having strict rules. If any media comes in here and they ask a question, they're banned. That was not going to be a subject to discuss throughout the year. We will address it at the first, first day camp. We'll address it. When he reports or if we trade him, you guys will be the first to know. Other than that, there's nothing to report. Nothing to report. And if you ask, then you're banned. <laughs> <laughs> hey, come on. You got, you got it. I, I, I mean, that's extreme, but you have to set the precedent well, and they'll, set they'll guidelines. Ban lock, they'll probably ban reporters from the locker room anyways, right? They're using COVID. Right. Never let a crisis yeah. go to waste. Hey, the yeah, NFL teams might just ban us anyways. So it's oh, just, yeah, it's even easier. Go to Wegmans to get your so. groceries, but you can't go talk to a player in the locker room. 
Yeah. So, so with with the way it's set up, that's easy to to put those yeah. parameters on there. So it's and you can limit that distraction. Don't get me started on that, Doug. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> but it's you're right though. I, I, maybe there is a, a needle to thread there, and they can pull this off. But I mean, he's doing this press conference with Brady and the golfers for the match, right? And he's wearing the shirt that says "I'm offended." Seventy-two hours after Mark Murphy says something that is. I mean, harmless quoting Ted yeah. Thompson, calling him a complicated fella. Like, so now like, I think Aaron Rodgers loves living in this ambiguity where we don't know if he's kidding around. We don't know if he's serious. He's taking another shot at Matt LaFleur for kicking a field goal. You know, he's doing all these little things and talking about how beautiful it is to not have any obligations in the off season. Like mm-hmm. we're, he isn't what people say about him is he doesn't confront conflict head on. Like he, 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 he'd rather be passive aggressive and kind of send out these different mixed messages and everybody's left in the dust. And I guess the Packers are publicly punished in his mind through this all. Okay. Well, let, let's, let's rewind. The common theme in his relationship with the Packers, this is his second coach. Now this GM. And then you look at his family. The one common denominator is him. Is everybody in this world that has wronged him that bad? Or is there something in him that, like you said, quick to flip that switch that you do? I told you step left, you step right, you're done. I'm you're out of my life. So there's he, I mean, when are people gonna start looking at like my Mike Murphy said, is this guy a little complicated that you have to always walk on eggshells around him? I don't know. This is but it's beautiful because no one does it. It's right. still the greatest part of this whole thing is he was Aaron Rodgers was when he was drafted was Jordan Love. Right. <laughs> right. Right. They didn't, oh, absolutely. Need, they didn't need Aaron Rodgers when they drafted him. Yes. No. Brett was getting older. Like, guess who? Aaron Rodgers yeah. getting older. Hey, here's a quarterback that we value. We're going to take him. We're a good team. We're preparing for the future. Like we talked about before, that's your job to the ownership, to the everybody, fans. I just can't get over that Aaron, like, come on now, like, know what you're getting into. They did this with you. That means they're going to do it to you. Master manipulator, like like you said, Tyler. It's, it's awesome. I, I respect it. I mean, I, I always look at it as in people like, you got to take one side. Of it. If you just look at what he's doing, it's pretty impressive. Everything's on everybody else except him. It's everybody else's fault. It's like, <laughs> I wasn't the I wasn't the reason we lost two NFC championship games. Right, right. I'm not the reason why I'm not coming into camp. I'm not the reason it's them. Everything is everybody else's fault. I love it. I think it's great. One in four in NFC championship games, and he, he took yeah. down Caleb Haney out there in Chicago. You know, Haney gave him a run for his money. So, you know, it even goes beyond that. It's hey. You know, as some you guys have kind of lived in that public eye, and, and you know, I, I have the benefit of just writing articles and going on these radio shows, doing podcasts, and nothing. You know, anything I say, it's not like my feet aren't held to the fire, right? You, I mean, you guys, when you're running an NFL team, I mean, that's a tough position to be in. Where, like, if there's a mic in front of you, man, any word you say could be misinterpreted. Spawn. Oh, take, I, mean, I know. That's right, <laughs> right. I know, but it's. I always just. Man, I I felt for you that day, and then I guess to the extreme, Aaron Rod Aaron Rodgers. If he's 
great at anything. It's that. Like he knows yes. when to oh, yeah. say exactly like, what he wants <laughs> to say and how that will be perceived in, in uh, Twitter 2021, I guess. And he's great, especially for this offseason where it gives all the media something to talk about yeah, because yeah. he leaves it open-ended for interpretation. So 50,000 different people can have 50,000 different interpretations of it and keeps his name in the mouths of people. He is doing what the NFL loves him oh, to do. We're talking Keep about the this NFL in. Yeah. Yes. Instead of but nothing. There's nothing to talk about right we now. We forced the NBA talk, right? Like, it's, yes, it's yes. over the NBA. Like, really? Yes. Um, and, and, and you know, I, I, when I work out in the morning, sometimes I'll, I'll turn on Get Up. It might as well be inside the NFL. They have maybe <laughs> at an hour show. It's 15 minutes of NBA. I don't even know if they do baseball anymore. The rest is football. So I mean, it's. But they always it, sprinkle in. They sprinkle in Jay Williams real quick. Yes. They talk about the game, and yep. they get them out, and then it's Orlovsky, Mina Kahn's, and Marcus well, Spears. But it's not just football people. I had it on before I came out here, and they had uh, Monica McNutt. I think she played for Georgetown Women's Basketball 07 to 2010 when I was on her bio blast. And Freddie Coleman, who does late night oh, radio. Yeah. They're talking yeah. about Aaron Rodgers. It's not just the NFL people, it's everybody. Every show. It's everybody. Every and, show. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now the conspiracy oh, theorists could say, well, the NFL and Aaron, they they kind of con- got together and said, let's spin some stuff for off-season content. <laughs> hey, man, I'm, I'll go down that rabbit hole. Uh, and just, you know, we had a listener tell us we talked about Aaron Rodgers too much. So yeah. I, prom- I promise I'll get off of it after this final point. Yeah, people aren't happy with it. Right. Okay. But it is, I mean, like, I guess, yeah, we're guilty, but we're talking yeah. about it here. Yeah. We, stopped, we didn't bring up the quarterback for the Chiefs yet today. That's, right. We, we've cut right. that we've out. We've moved on oh, yeah. from Mahomes. We've, Oh, I was trying not to say ah, damn but all right. We, yes. Final point though. Final point. And I promise I am getting to a larger you're the one point. You're the one that oh, yeah, broke all this mania. It's stuff. all my fault. But so James Jones comes out and says, it's fixable. Mm-hmm. It's fixable. It's fixable. I want to be there in the room with Brian Gutekinds and Aaron Rodgers. I can bring everybody together. He, he said this on Pat McAfee yesterday. AJ Hawk is on the show with McAfee. He's, you know, stressed that he's talked to Aaron Rodgers fixable. Well, I mean, there's been a few former players. Uh, John Coon. John Coon, another one that's come out. Now, these guys, they're not, to our larger point here on the message manipulation, like they're not speaking without Rogers' blessing. Because if they're speaking without his blessing, guess what? You're, you're out. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you can't talk on this without that, that green light. So, I mean, either it, they're being real and genuine and they do believe it's fixable yeah. and Aaron is telling them this and they believe it or it's part of a larger plan to say, okay, so say he does get traded. He doesn't play for green Bay again. He's somewhere else. He can now look back and say, look, it was fixable. You heard those guys. Like it was fixable. Just, we just couldn't get it done. Right. Like it's <laughs> I'm telling it, you it, it's massive. They, they're going to write a, yeah, they're going to write a course on this. If, if he pulls this off and, and it comes out him looking like roses, like I would have came back to green Bay. It was fixable. Go somewhere else, wins a Super Bowl. I'm going to say this guy's, I mean, it's mastery at its best. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Well, this is related. I promise. Um, but what I wrote about today is like the larger point. If you're, if you're a GM, if you're running a team, all right, you see this, this movement, you know, I don't think this is the end of quarterbacks trying to manifest their own destinies 
you know, regardless of contract status, right there, these guys are going to want to leave situations when they want to leave situations. I mean, some are right, some are wrong. That's the whole facts versus feelings thing. I mean, I think Carson Wentz, absolutely get the hell out of there. Deshaun Watson, pre all of that, get out of there. But Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, we can debate that. But if you're a GM running a team and you see that price for quarterbacks going up, 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 you know, anyways, it only goes up. And you know that, okay, this player is going to maybe be a problem at some point. Well, is there a GM out there that will just try to change the game, come up with a new formula and say, all right, you know, we can live on the cheap at quarterback. We can cycle through vets and cycle through rookies and we'll pay for everybody else. I mean, New England's kind of doing it this year. Or at the end of the day, do you always try to get the best quarterback you can, pay him when that time's up, and put up with any of the BS that comes with it? For me, until the rules change, I hate to say it, you got to get that quarterback or else. I just think you're – I don't. I really think you're wasting your time. I feel like we lived it. We lived it. And, 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 and I've said this before, and I can even put the – analytics behind it if you look at just pure numbers if you have a quarterback you just need one person to be on if you don't have a quarterback you need 21 other people to be on for 17 games to have a chance you get one person on for 12 games you're in the playoffs and then rest is up in the air then he get, he's, he's on a roll so just playing the numbers and the odds it's the quarterback now, someone may try to do that. Okay, let's be the college system. Every four years, change four or five years, get that first-round quarterback, exercise his option at five years, get him out, and then, like you say, pay around, pay the guys around him. It's just going to be such a roller coaster ride. You're going to be that college team that is only good every fourth or fifth year because they have a bunch of seniors, college basketball team. Yeah, yeah. You, you turn into that. You can't consistently make that run, in my opinion. I mean, can you That's think, a great point. Think about McVay and Shanahan. And this is what I, I really think they're just incredible coaches, offensively for sure. I, you know, if you don't work for a team, you don't really know. But th- these guys went to Super Bowls with Garoppolo and Goff, right? Mm-hmm. Shanahan's like, no, yeah, you can play this year, Jimmy G. We'll take a shot with you, but you're not good enough. We're, we're taking Trey Lance. McVay gets rid of golf. I mean, they were in a Super Bowl with those guys, and they didn't think they were good enough to win the Super Bowl. And I really, to be honest, I admire that in them to say, you know what, those guys aren't the right answer. We need a better than those guys. And that goes back to really the heart of this conversation that is the the, the biggest change in the NFL where teams – that are now led more by coaches are to the point to say, if this guy isn't going to get us to our ultimate goal, I don't care. He can keep us in contention to be a playoff, but that's not it. We're on the ultimate goal. And I respect that to admit that, yes, we drafted him number one. Yes, we paid him. But after all we see from what he's got us and he's got us to the Super Bowl, but he can't win it. And our ultimate goal to the owner, to the fans is to win the Super Bowl. I respect that. I tip my hat to guys to say we were wrong. And a lot of people won't do that. A lot of people, a lot of teams, a lot of GMs, a lot of coaches, and a lot of owners want to just say, well, I just need a guy to have a winning record. 
Because you know, you we've been around a lot of coaches. They just want to say, I, I won more than I lost. Those guys want to win championships. So I respect that a lot more than a guy that's just to hang on to a guy just to say he kept us competitive and we he he puts us in a position to win. Yeah. I like those guys that say he will he will win it for us. Because you're gonna get caught in that shootout with a Patrick Mahomes with a yeah. Tom Brady when you guys were running the yeah. show. Like, I mean, I guess really will you in 20 into 2015, especially Rex's first year, yeah. you did a lot of the similar things that the Patriots kind of did this March, right? Signing just a ton of guys, and it looks great. I mean, in theory, it really did around one, one around the unknown, one around position. that three-way quarterback battle you had. Right. Yeah. And and and, uh, and I'm not tooting my own horn, but it's not like we didn't have, and, and you could probably ask a lot of people in the NFL. It wasn't like our roster was devoid of talent. No, <laughs> you can't it would be different if we were devoid of talent. I'd be like, you know what? I stunk. We stunk. We were bad. But if you look at what they traded away when, when the new regime came in, the assets they got from the players that they traded away on our team and what they did with the ones that were left over – it wasn't that, but we just didn't have the main court, the, the quarterback. And that was one of those, when you talk about every word, quarterback purgatory. I got roasted for that, but that was it. You were, we right. were never <laughs> going to be, we were never going to be bad. And, and guess what? I hear people say it now. And but when I said it, I was a jerk off. <laughs> I find but myself we were, using that word more often than I ever did yeah. after you said, like, it's so true. Yeah. We were never going to be bad enough to be in the top five or six to get those quarterbacks so so but again it goes back to i tip my hats to those those coaches to say i don't want to contend i want to win and this is the let's find that person and if it's not that one get him out of here let's find the other one i love it that's and also why brian gutekins took jordan love 26 to your point he doesn't want to get caught in that purgatory you know, he, yep. he wants to gamble on the big arm, the athleticism, while you still have a quarterback, develop him. Like, I, I, I get the logic behind the oh, pick. Behind. No you can't argue the logic behind the pick. You can't. Yeah. If you're in personnel or an objective roster-building fan of football, right? that's what Gutekiss was brought up in that. I mean, he saw it work with Aaron Rodgers. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's I, like, Mary, I, I, you know, you have a friend that marries a, a – guy or a girl that may have a gambling problem <laughs> and why they're married that problem creeps up Let's, and he or she says you know you know he he gambles all the time or she gambles all the time yeah you already knew that that's what aaron Rodgers is doing like aaron this yeah. is like you know this is what green bay does they build for the future they take a quarterback when they're not ready to just like they did you like you can't be surprised yeah. by this you can't play both sides of the fence. That's all. That's all I'm saying. It's that's tough for me. I, I really didn't see a lot of uh, differences between his about the people soliloquy with Kenny Maine and Billy Madison's uh, the little puppy who lost his way. You know, there, weren't, there weren't many differences. What a reference! Two. I would have never you know, pulled a lot that of out. nonsense that didn't really add up. Billy uh, Madison. Oh my God! I, I linked that in the story and I was rewatching. It was just that's cracking so good. me up. He just, as he, as he says it, he's just so sure, so sure. about what mm-hmm. he sees the kindergarten teacher in the crowd, Perfect. give each other the, the nod. Yep. Yeah. Great well, movie. Learn about, a lot. about the people. About the about people. The about the people, man. About the people. Um, 
got got something that we we talked about off air that I have a, a nice take about, and you talked about Tagliabue. Yes, and I want to get into the point this. shaving. Let's do it. So yes. go go ahead, start it, and then I'll give you my take on it. Oh, like like mine. I'm glad you guys brought it up because I mean, you guys are familiar with uh, sports gambling. I'm I'm not. It's pretty big, they say, right? Pretty that's big. What, that's what they tell us. You know, pretty big out there. But as it, it's not. I should backtrack. You know, I'm reading America's Game by Michael McCambridge. Great book mm-hmm. on the history yep. of pro football. And I didn't really know this. Like when Pete Rozelle took over as commissioner, 1963, Paul Horning and Alex Karras were involved in the gambling, right? And they were yeah. suspended. They were suspended for indefinitely. For a whole year. Right away. Oh, I didn't for a whole know, year. Didn't both, like, and that was such a defining moment for Roselle and the league because he gained the public's trust. Like right in that moment, the public could say, oh, okay, like, wow, they're what I'm watching is a pure product where I want to say 15 years before there was a, a big fixing scandal, like the mob was involved and everything. So that point forward for the next, what, five, six decades in Tagliabue, he ended up you know, testifying and in support of this bill that would make it sports gambling, not legal beyond Nevada. Like the league tried to distance itself from some gambling. Meanwhile, gambling just becomes more and more and more and more and more and more and more popular to the point of everybody basically does it in some form or fashion. And the league is like, shit, billions of dollars that we could be making here off of these sports books. Uh, and, and this is the year they went all in, right? They partnered with sports books. So Paul Tagliabue did an interview with um, USA Today. It's a really good story. Jarrett Bell wrote it, I think, and said that this concerns him. Like he's worried about how big gambling, how, how married the sports and the NFL is with gambling and that there could be potential point shaving concerns here. You guys are nodding your head. You don't think so. I disagree vehemently. And I'll tell you why there are, once you legalize it and you have the not yeah, the intertwining of sports gambling and public entities that need trust, the regulations are a lot more strict than when it was Joey Bag of Donuts, the local bookie that can go to Hamburg Brewing, run into Trey White, and they strike up a conversation. Trey starts betting with them. Now he's got the fix in on Trey, and then that's easier for them to affect the game that way. But because of the regulations and the things that are in place from the Nevada and all these gaming commissions, they can start spotting trends in betting and that would alert the people i think you had a it was a bigger chance of that happening when it was illegal than when it's legal because of all the fail safes that the government and the gaming boards put in place well i'd like to see paul horning's uh contract compared to christian mccaffrey's um, <laughs> as far as true well i'm trying to think of running backs yeah. you know like kind of star running backs that maybe could affect the game a little bit. Um, uh, you're not uh, McCaffrey yeah. doesn't need that. He's fine. No. Let me just go ball yes. out. I'm making money where those guys, they may have been approached by bookies back then and say, Hey, their, their money may have been equal to what they were, their game checks were, you know? Mm-hmm. So I could see where back then it could get, I, I'm with you. I just don't see that. I don't see it. There's and so that's much money in it though. There's so I, much I money still see it. it more with college than pros. College, yes, absolutely. And and that's why I forget what game it was. a uh, Maybe it was a BC basketball game or something 
where it was fixed. And a lot of college students started loading up on a team and the regulatory board saw it. And that's how it ended up getting busted. It, it was, I think it was Boston college or something. It was. Like that. BC but, was in yeah. a big scandal. And I think it was yes. actually college football. Um, and it may oh, have okay. been basketball. I can't remember either, but I, I'm pretty sure it was football. And I'm pretty sure they may have played Syracuse with one of the games in question. Okay. Um, I have a little more to that story off the air, but because uh, it was back in college days when I was at Bloomsburg <laughs> um, University in Pennsylvania, the Ivy League of the PSACs. But anyway, <laughs> there was a, this is what I'm talking about. College can get, I think college, yes. you can get to college kids. I yes, do. you I can. Think, I think it can yeah. be appealing to them. Mm -hmm. That would work. That would worry me. That would. Yeah. Blue Chips. Oh, underrated movie. Underrated movie. Incredible movie. You know, no why doubt. not just take, why not just take Neon Badeau? He didn't want anything, right? Ricky Rose, dad wanted the tractor. You know, no. uh, Butch McRae's mom wanted the house. And just take, just take Shaq's character. He didn't. Just go down to yeah. Louisiana and he was fine. So to get that SET <laughs> score up. <laughs> yeah. Now I think, aren't, aren't schools getting away from SET? T's, SATs and all of that. I think they've been getting away with it for a long time. If you <laughs> True. Uh, <laughs> well, we Isaiah McKenzie. I mean, we did a story on him. He he was talking about his SAT and he said his score. He graded in the negative one percentile on his SAT the first time he took it, and got to a point, got his grades up where he could play college ball, get to the NFL, and he can handle an NFL offense. It's like. I don't. My, my point is, I think the SAT is just a joke. I didn't really score that great on it. It's, it's, it's not a sign of uh, intelligence, like we're told. I think. Well, I can remember West Virginia had um, who the quarter who was their quarterback from Florida? Doug, uh, big, strong arm quarterback, and they also had uh, Chris Henry. Um, mm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They had yep. Pac Man. They had Chris Henry. There was a quarterback mm -hmm. involved. R.I.P. Right. RIP. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. But the, there were some guys, they were from Florida. Okay. They played their high mm -hmm. school ball in Florida. And you're, I'm scouting at South Florida. And the coaches at South Florida were just like, I don't know. We can get everybody into school at South Florida. We couldn't get these guys. We don't know how West Virginia is pulling this <laughs> off. And I'll never forget that. And I'm like, and then I've heard plenty. And I know Doug yeah. has to, I mean, University of Georgia, I have some stories there. I could go every school almost. I mean, we know what goes on. It's, oh, yeah. It, it, look, the SATs well, for sports is like whatever. Well, I'll tell you the, the, the downfall of Pitt. It was, I was getting recruited in 1990. And they had just went to the Sun Bowl with Alex Van Pelt, Kervin Richards, Ricardo McDonald, Keith Hamilton, Sean Gilbert, Steve Israel. All those guys played in the pros. We get a new chancellor, a new AD in. All of a sudden, they're saying, we want to increase our focus on academics and away from athletics. So they fired Mike Godfrey because Godfrey was saying, wait a minute. Now you're saying you want us to recruit athletes that are 2-2 and score 750 on the SAT, we're not going to be able to compete. And since then, the school hasn't been the same athletically, especially in football, because of that. So that lets you know. That's fascinating. I mean, it. Yeah. every school will have its own standards, right? I imagine there are yeah. some pretty heated meetings between the, the chancellors and the uh, academic 
um, I don't know what the academic and advisors that. and uh, administrators and, you know, the head coaches. Like it, when I went to Syracuse, I mean, Jim Beheim ran the university. I mean, players would get into trouble and you'd hear about it and then it would just go away because probably Jim Beheim got this. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I just expected that to be the norm everywhere. Like whoever the big name is on that campus coaching, whatever sport he's coaching, he runs the show. Production equals tolerance. Doug told me that right away. I was like, mm, I like that. I like Jared that. Brown was the quarterback at West Virginia. Um, oh, was, yeah. Yeah. Big, oh, like, good arm. Call. Big, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so no point shaving going down this NFL season is what you guys are talking about. I don't about. see it. I don't. I, like Mona said, look into college. Absolutely. So speaking of college, what, what's your guys' take on this uh, name, in, image, and likeness? I don't understand. Like, how are they getting paid? Like, is that what you're talking about? How they're going to get? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How they're going to get paid? I just, you know? I just want to know how they're actually going to get paid. So, is it if if they're used in a video game? Does that I think mean, anything? Yeah, anything if you, that resembles them. So here's from what I my limited knowledge is: jersey sales. You get a percentage of that. If you guys have a, a guy uh, from Syracuse on your podcast or at Hamburg Brewing and you charge a cover at the door, he can get some of that. So they can go to promotional things or do advertisement as long as they don't have the their, their school emblem on. They can. So basically you can get paid to do work or to market yourself as long as you don't have the Syracuse helmet on and doing it. You go to a car dealership and you and you say, "Hey, go buy it, yeah. Bob Ford." Blah blah blah. They can pay you for it. So, I hope, I hope these guys get uh, all the money they can get, however they yeah. can get it. I really do. I, I I just can't stand all the coaches in college football making all the money. Here's my take. Think about it this way, and it goes back to that Mark Cuban saying, "Pigs get fat, pigs get slaughtered." If the NCAA <laughs> five, 10 years ago would have said, okay, college athletes, we are starting to see a very large sum increase in our revenues from sports. We're going to set up, let's say a trust. Soon as you get your, you graduate and you have a degree, we're going to have a trust for you for $40,000 that you can access as soon as you get your degree. And we'll have healthcare for you for 10 to 15 years after you graduate. They could have started making money like they are now, hands over fist, and no one would have said a word about it. College players would be like, oh, I got a carrot at the end of the stick. The country and the public will say, well, they have to earn it. Not only are they getting a free education, but they have to get that degree to access that money. Everybody, these coaches could have been making $100 million over 10 years, and no one would have said anything. But they got fat, and they're getting slaughtered now. <laughs> that, that, all they got to do is blame themselves. I love it. I love it. I know I'm giving way too many homework assignments out here, but like if our listeners want to learn about how the NCAA got to where it is today, it's called the the shame of college athletics. I believe Taylor branch wrote it. Um, Mm. And it was in the Atlantic like 10 years ago. I know it was in the best American sports writing edition a few years back. And Oh my God, like it's built on lies. It's a sham. Like how they Mm. were able to project power to the masses like when it began is remarkable and it it just was able to grow and grow and grow based on nothing to a point where, you know, it's 
free labor. You know, I mean, these kids are making them I mean, billions of dollars and getting nothing for it. Other a free education. I'm sorry, but a lot of these kids, like, they're, they're going to play a game. I, they're, they're going to play a sport like this face. Just think about it. If they, they're saying that if they increase the college football playoff to 12 teams, it's going to increase the revenues to $2 billion. <laughs> Tell me the return on investment that they're getting for paying. Let's say you go, it's $200,000 to, to, to send a guy to school for his education. You're turning, you get, you know, you're talking about 200 million, let's say whatever for a team. And you're going to turn that into close to 2 billion. I mean, or a piece of 2 billion. Come on now. That's a really good return on investment. Everybody, everybody out there, any listener would sign up for that. I can turn $20 into 200,000. I'll do that. And I don't have to work and someone else is doing all the work on it. Absolutely. It's it's scary. It, college football and college basketball have been scary for a long time. Like scary, mm-hmm. what's going on? And it's I don't know. I don't know how it ever changes. I was hoping, and I still would hope that the XFL. I would hope that some of these five stars, some of the big timers, stop going to college. Yeah. And, well, you've and, seen that in basketball. Well, n- n- right. They caught on a little bit, but I mean. The NFL is just, they have been. What an opportunity for the XFL. What, what, what an opportunity. But, but the, for the XFL, Doug, I mean, I know, you know, you, all the work you did, it it was heading in the right direction. I know you guys did so many good things. And then to put it over the top, I think, for year two, if the XFL had made it to year two, would have been to grab some five stars somehow right yeah. out of high school. Yeah. And that's, that's when you start, that's when people start really paying attention, like, oh, he skipped mm-hmm. Alabama and LSU. He's going to make. I, I don't. I don't know if it's possible. I don't know who the guy that would have the guts to do it. But well, it, now it's going to be a little harder with the NIL because those guys can start getting paid at so Alabama. That's why, so, so now that it's all. That's yeah. why they had to. Yeah. Yeah, but there's. Um, man, I wish I could remember the name of it. But a, a bunch of a two or three execs from the NBA Players Association, no NBA League office broke off and they're having a league for high school players. They're paying them and based in Atlanta, basketball players. I forget the name of the league. I'll look it up, but they're, they're starting that now next year. So the top high school players, you come down, we pay you. We have a league of eight teams. You're going to get noticed. And then you can go either stay with us for until you are eligible for the NBA draft. Why not? That's, that's better than the G you can start that and either go to the G league or stay there. Stay there. Yeah, you know, doing these feature stories at at go along even before a Bleach Report, I can't tell you how many of these players. I mean, they come from just brutal, brutal backgrounds, right? Like the toughest neighborhoods you can imagine. No dad. You can't make you can't and even they think about these. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they they would take that opportunity to go to the XFL, go to a league, make some money right away, provide for their families. You know, Lynn Bowden, I just know when he had a he had a child his senior year in Youngstown, and he's like, you know, one of the best prospects in all of Ohio. Pretty rough pass. You know, Youngstown, it's a rough area. Family in and out of jail all the time. But, you know, when he had his kid, he was even thinking about just getting out of the sport and getting a job to support for his kid to get money. Like, it, it, there was a coach at Kentucky 
Vince Moreau, who's from that area, kind of talked him out of it. I was like, no, like, get the grades, come to Kentucky. Like, you'll be able to provide for your family. But, like, if, if that option existed, it would help the livelihoods of, of just millions of kids and millions of families. Well, so the, the league is called Overtime Elite Pro Basketball League. It's launching in this September, and they'll compensate high school-age players. So add to the fact, when you look at the big shift in just college students not even getting college degrees and going to work and getting paid, there's no reason why people can say they need their education. When people are dropping out left and right, computer programmers or whatever, people just – this is a bigger topic, but in the future, is college really going to be that important? I don't think so. I mean, especially with the price of the, how education prices are just astronomical and they're just getting higher. I, I, I don't think so. You learn. I'd rather send my kid to learn how to program and code right now. And right out of high school, go get a job with one of the big tech companies. I hope it's not a thing by the time my kids are ready to go to college, <laughs> yeah. but, but for more reasons, like, how many jobs are available right now? You know, you need people to fix things in the world and there's nobody mm-hmm. there to do it. Like right. somebody can learn a tra- I don't know why our society looks down upon trade schools and trades and like people that have jobs to actually make that put the literally put the lights on and literally put gas in your car. Like these are the jobs that make our society function like it's time to stop looking down on those jobs and why people so, go to, I went to Syracuse, you said friends that went to Syracuse paying tens upon tens of thousands of dollars. They didn't even know what they were going there for. They had no clue, yeah. but you have to get your degree, but you got to get your degree, right? Cause that's what society so, tells you to do. So I have a friend that um, he's a salesman for Delta faucets and all these plumbing fixtures and everything. So he goes to com- uh, com- a conference every year. It's the last conference uh, Delta reps up there saying, okay, all you guys, Anybody knows a plumber, raise their hand. They all raise their hand. This is a conference of like 500 reps. Next thing you know, they say, all right, of those plumbers, raise your hand if you know a plumber. Of all those plumbers you know, how many of them are millionaires? They all raised their hand and said, every plumber I know is a millionaire. He says, but think about this. In the next five to 10 years, there's going to be such a shortage. If you know anybody, tell them to go and be a plumber. They will make serious bank because like you said those trades can't be done by computers or by robots they need human labor and people have shifted away from that thinking i got to go to this four year and get a degree and that piece of paper that that's diminished you come out of there with a bachelor's degree what, what kind of job you getting go to a trade school for two years you come out learn a little business apprentice for five years open up your own shop you can be retired by 50 live in fact so and all your listeners now we're away from we're we're talking about life issues now and not just sports we we just opened up another i like it i love it man (laughs) let's keep it going it's like i mean i I don't want to get all political but i feel like (laughs) you know we're pumping so much money into this unemployment stuff i mean my wife and i just went to the finger lakes and like uh we, we got went to a really great breakfast spot in geneva and they had signs all over the place like like if you, if you want to actually work, or no, it said what did it say? Like, please excuse delays. Nobody wants to work in our world. Like, yeah. we can't mm-hmm. find anybody that will work here. Like, we're trying our best, basically. And you can put that sign up pretty much anywhere right yeah. now. 
like, anyway, people are sitting at home just getting their free money and I, I, you're decentivizing work and it's going to have an effect on society. I'm sorry. I got to stop. No, I was thinking about learning how to build decks. Oh, okay. to help don't you get, out. Oh, don't get me wrong. Sorry. Oh, Jesus. All right. So moisture shield. Let's talk a little moisture shield real quick. A terrible decking company, composite decking. Whoa. Um, Nobody out there. If you're thinking, if you're thinking about buying a deck, nobody should consider moisture shield. They're awful. Um, We're not even two years into our deck. Anti-plug. Hey, I gave them a chance. Anti-plug. Yeah. You know, I'm always plugging things. It's time to go after somebody, you know, really go after them. Hit them where it hurts. So I don't know. Like if you're thinking about treks, you're thinking about moisture shields, you're thinking about a composite deck. If you get moisture shield about a year, year and a half into it, you're going to have mold growing all over your deck. It's going to look like it's dying. That's what happened to our deck that we used quite a bit of money on. Um, Customer service was terrible. They wouldn't even come out and look at it. They just said they wouldn't cover anything and, you know, best of luck basically. So um, yeah, we'll make a point to just, we should have a segment where we just rip moisture shield every podcast. It's okay. Yeah, I think it's part of it. <laughs> I'll, you know, we should tag them. They have a Twitter, but nobody has really tweeted anything nobody. for three years. So I've t- I took a shot at him and I felt good. I think even a character from Ozark, the brother, chimed in. He loved it. He did? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> oh, nice. But they didn't even see it, probably. They don't like they're they have no social media presence. So I, I hope this gets back to them somehow. You know, I try. hope it does. Yeah. Do you have a deck, Doug? I do not have a patio, stone patio. So smart. No deck. No doubt. Apartment. Apartment. That's right. All right. With that, you know, we kind of stumbled to the finish line. But, that was good. Uh, no, I liked yeah. it. I think it got you. I think you needed to get that out there. It was, it was, I was really... just from seeing you on Twitter. I felt like it was <laughs> something that needed to get, get off your chest. I have so many pictures, you know, you know, the shopping cart thing has kind of run its course. You, know, you put a lot, you made a lot of people aware. Of yes. That. Shopping cart. Oh, what's the shopping cart thing? Oh my God. People who don't return. The shopping oh, carts, yeah, the yeah. corral. I mean, yeah. you had you were able to shop, you know, and push that thing around in Lowe's and Wegmans, wherever you are. But when it comes to bringing it to the corral, that's where you just decide <laughs> to stop and be well, a lazy piece of shit. And these people should be removed from society, um, sent to Mars, you know, or just well, shot on site. Just, really, it just goes to show you that people all they care about is themselves. Yeah. They don't care about anything unless it affects them. It's like, no, I used it. I'm leaving it right here. Someone else can pick up after me. There, yeah, that that's 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 what our society is going to now. It's you're 100 percent right. And Jim brought up a great point a few podcasts ago too. Somebody else that pisses us off. My comparison was when I'm trying to get off the elevator. Right, I should have first right. But when I was at the combine. The one year, Pete Carroll and his one assistant came barging in, and I oh, couldn't yeah. get off first. And I just—it was the year they won the Super Bowl, and I put my hands up, said, "Hey, hey, that's our, hey, you're the champs, Pete. You're the champs." I was like, "I couldn't even get off." So you said that. No, to him. I just said, "You're the champs, Pete." I get it. And they both gave me that little, you know, the little look. Yeah. And I was like, it was like first thing in the morning, you know, that Starbucks. It's always a madhouse. Yeah. yeah. We all know it. It was just, I just couldn't believe. How do you not let somebody That's all I have to know about Pete Carroll. You know? That's why yeah. Russell wants out. Can't get off the elevator. 
Won't let him on and off the elevator. You. you do have to give us somebody, Doug. So we've got shopping cart guy. We've got elevator guy. What bugs Moisture you? Moisture shield what, what, is what terrible. Bugs, what bugs you? What, what, what? Yeah. What rubs you? you people that, the people that drive in the left lane going the speed That's limit or under. That's strong. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, I mean, they don't care and then I'll tell you other else. people. The people that if someone's merging from the right, you got it on ramp. And you're in the right lane. No one's in the left lane. And you stay and you stay see someone that. coming up and you stay in that right lane and you don't get over to help them let them merge it. It blows my mind. All it about, drives all me. About, it, yep. They don't care about anybody else but themselves. Yeah. Yes. No situational awareness. Nothing. <laughs> no. It's just like, nope, it's all about me. You, right here. Like, you, you right on my see, back. You don't see the nickel blitz. He's he's coming right up. Yeah. You see the, the yeah. merge. You see the blitz coming, and you don't care. Yeah, you, you just don't, don't care. care. Yeah, just out. No, it's all about me. Out for a Sunday stroll, you know. Doesn't. Uh, it's just it's. And you miserable. get every type of person too. I've seen. You know, there's the stereotypical, you know, senior citizen out for the mm-hmm. Sunday drive. You know, that will. Pull, but you know, all teenagers. Yep. Middle-aged men, middle-aged women. It really knows no bounds. Oh, no. Because people are personality. Yeah. yeah. And it speaks to our, our, our culture that's moving into don't worry about anybody but yourself. But it's so, all about feelings, though, too. You know, it's all about feelings. What's your song, Jim, about feelings? I don't know. You have to tell yeah. them off the air. I don't give a about your feelings. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess Carlos isn't coming. On. <laughs> hey, we're ready. He for doesn't him. care about our feelings. He doesn't. He doesn't. No, right. Definitely. We'll try. We'll try. We'll keep messaging him. We'll make it happen. You know what? This is a, a kumbaya moment that we're going to strive for on the Go Long podcast. I wonder what he's doing with himself. I might hit him up for a job. He was playing for the Argonauts for a little, and then, well, we were going to talk to him about an event. He's coming back to Buffalo too. So yeah. we'll, we'll ask what him kind of event. Not quite sure. We got to learn about it here. Um, mm. We'll we'll see. I don't want to put words in his mouth, so we'll stay on him. We'll make it happen. Right. Can't thank everybody enough for listening. That was a lot of fun, Doug. Absolutely appreciate you even as the, always. Even though we we took a right and a left away from sports, hopefully people in, enjoyed some non-sports conversation. We just inspired some future plumbers. I know that. Like <laughs> absolutely, everybody's toilets are going to get fixed now, so that's good. <laughs> and and people that want to do better on building decks, we inspired some of those people because they definitely have less competition after you just hammered <laughs> that, that company. Shield, awful, Moisture awful shield. company, terrible. Never give them business. If you go to Lowe's and you're talking to somebody about a deck, make sure you let them know too. So, all right, I'm done. Thanks right, everyone. Fellas. Enjoyed it. Take care, fellas. See you, Doug.